0: We would like to take a moment to send our love and thoughts to the victims and their families of Orlando.
1: As artists, we know the importance of action and having a
0: voice. So we encourage
1: our listeners to make theirs heard. We have by contacting our representatives and
0: we urge you to do the same. Information on how is posted on our blog and social media.
2: Films are so powerful. So, let's think about what that means. So, a film is a story, but it's a story told through the perception of the director and or writer. So if if that simple perspective is 96% of the time a male perspective, then literally our entire understanding about how the world functions is developed through the male gaze.
0: Welcome back to
2: Nothing Shines Like
0: Dirt Empowering Actors to Create, Episode 12. I'm Elise Sievert. And
1: I'm Leslie Shannon. Today we have actor, writer, producer Naomi McDougal
0: Jones. We discuss Vagina Power, Bite Me. No, seriously, her new upcoming film is called Bite Me.
1: And Can We Still Take a Leap of Faith? <laughs> The thing that's crazy too is like the Tonys. I feel like the Tonys are getting it right on the on the diversity. Yeah,
2: they are certainly better Platform, than the Oscars
1: for sure. Yeah, for
2: Which sure. Which isn't hard, but no, it isn't. It's not. Yeah, it's sort of a low bar that they're I jumping over there. I wonder how the
0: Emmys will compare. You know what I mean? Like because t- TV seems to be a more diverse,
2: definitely more forward thinking than film right yeah. now. It's really interesting to watch, and I think it's what's really mm. interesting is that they're stealing because of that i think they're actually stealing all of the pop cu- pop culture relevance away from film like if you think about what people oh, are talking about right now it's, it's game of thrones it's, yeah. it's orange is the new black it's house of cards like who is talking really about film right now wow mm. Not that many people I like that point that that's really interesting a very valid point point. and also if you think about the shows that people are talking about with the exception of Game of Thrones, like for the most part, they're shows by either people of color or women. Mm. Oh, Girls, transparent. Look at Naomi, I
0: love this conversation
2: I do too. so much. I know,
1: you're segueing very well into <laughs> us talking about all your like commitment to um, helping provide opportunity for women in film because yeah. man, it's depressing.
2: It's, I mean, it's just staggering. Like yeah. 4% of Hollywood films are directed by women. In 2016. Uh, yeah. we're, like we're it's 51% like, of the population. Yeah, like yeah. that's pretty, not. Pretty, outst-
0: like, I don't know. It's it, like, it how just, does that even happen? And and then they're like, oh, well, there's more male directors than which female is, directors. Which is a lie. So, yeah.
2: so let me. Yes. Let me, so let what me what debunk I, that. that yes, yeah, go, go ahead debunk minute. that. That's one of the things I, I wanted it.
1: you to do. I wanted you to tell us, like, give us the facts. Let me give you the facts. I'm in it. Let's okay. go. Okay.
2: So women graduate from film school at this point at the same rate that men do. Okay. And by the time that you get to the top Hollywood echelon, it's 4%. So along, so there's some kind of systemic break. And and people have asked me to my face, oh, well, is it because women are less talented as directors? Which I don't really want to even talk yeah. about that argument. But no, it's that's not why. Um, oh, my but, gosh. But, like... Think about the system that's in place that brings 50% down to 4% over the course of a career. Um, it's serious.
0: It is really serious. And what I was just thinking of is that comment, women have such a, an attention to detail, mm-hmm. which is such a, a good quality to have mm-hmm. if you are a director. Yes. That attention to detail like can make or break a film. Yeah. And so that argument doesn't even make any sense. And they're also sense.
2: really good leaders. Like if you think about the way that women uh, and when I say women and men what I really mean is like a feminine energy versus a masculine energy and there are certainly men who have a feminine energy and women who have a masculine energy but when so but women in the feminine sense I think tend to think in circles. Like if you if you got a group of women together they'll almost always sit in a literal circle. And listen to each other's stories that's kind of like an, and bear testament to each other's experiences and like in a collective way sort of solve problems and if you get any men in a room together alone they'll almost always create a hierarchy a linear structure, and so I think women actually make fantastic leaders in any setting because their impulse is to listen to everyone in a group and make the decision and collate that information and make the decision that's going to be best for the group as a whole, rather than, I think the male instinct is to become top dog, establish a hierarchy and make the decision that's best for them as an individual, which is why I think men have traditionally dominated society. But why women are actually better leaders? Like, if you've ever been on a film set that's led by women, yes, it's incredible, isn't it yeah. amazing? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it's so such did. a nicer. It's it, it's, it's like a it nicer feels safer. Experience. It feels, and and an environment that feels safer is so much more conducive to creativity. Actually, because people feel safe, they feel like they can risk. Um, they don't feel like they're jockeying for position. They just feel like they can create.
0: Yeah, yes, and it's collaborative, and it's, it's collaborative. not trying to prove yourself in a hierarchy, mm-hmm. so to say.
2: Yeah
1: so yeah the best experience i've had on set is when i had um a mostly female um team yeah. for, for tv yeah it's amazing
2: like and then it's so for my first film imagine i'm beautiful we had a, ma- a female director i was the writer and i'm a female uh we, we had, yes. we, had <laughs> we have we had uh three female producers of which i was one um and we had a higher than normal percentage of female crew members. So, like, we had this very – and at the film, was the film about two women. So we had this really abnormally estrogen-heavy set. And all the actors who would come on as day players would all comment on it. They were like, whoa. Like, the energy of this set is so different than any set I've ever been on. Because um, many of them had never been on a set with a female director yeah. in their I, careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's because...
0: I've, I've had a woman director, but it was a co-director. Hmm. Um, I guess I have I have had women directors for short films, yeah, which has been wonderful. Um, your film, by the way, is so wonderful. Oh, I loved you. watching it. Did, it. did you get to watch it? I watched the
1: trailer and was really <clears> pissed <throat> today that I did not <laughs> have I the can't. opportunity to watch the I film. Because it was so intriguing. It was so just like beautifully... Sad in what I it saw is. from that's kind the, of what
0: I mean. It, the twist of it is just so interesting, and I feel like it starts a lot of conversations as well, which is um, what, so. yeah, because yeah. yeah. I
1: know like that's one of the things that I was like, I was like looking at your, your website and I was like, um, your artist statement. It's like to me, it almost seemed like a battle cry <laughs> to rally up yeah. creative female troops, yeah. like that's literally what it felt like to me, and I mean. Why? Why are you so? I mean, clearly, this is. The, I'm not saying this to be patronizing, but like, why do you think it's so important that there are women, yeah, on set and and women directors and writers and producers, like?
2: Okay, so I'll start in like the biggest societal sense. Yes, which is that film is an unbelievably powerful medium, um, and it is the most widely consumed medium of still of anything in our, certainly in our country, we'll just start with our country, but also probably the world. Um, When we're little kids, we watch movies. Our our whole lives, we watch movies. And like, when you're a little kid, you dress up like like your favorite movie characters and you still Mm -hmm. do to a certain extent. I mean, um, product placement works because you wanna look like your favorite movie characters. You wanna drink the same drinks your favorite movie characters drink. Uh, jaw When Jaws came out, uh, since Jaws came out, Americans have consistently listed sh- a death by shark as one of the major fears of their lives. And <laughs> despite the, people uh, don't despite even the fact- live by an ocean, right, right, right. like <laughs> that's how. Part- even Nebraska, we had no ocean. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no I mean, that's how powerful. Sim- like you can you can chart that from the moment the Jaws came out to before and after. Like that's how- that's pretty are so powerful. So, let's think about what that means. So, a film is a story, but it's a story told through the perception of the director and or writer. So, if, if that simple perspective is 96% of the time a male perspective, then literally our entire understanding about how the world functions is developed through the male gaze. Mm. It's so interesting
0: being an actor (laughs) and working on a scene and reading it and it's like, does this really happen in real life or is this what we just think happens in real life because we've seen it on television and in films repeated over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, you know, and it's, that's interesting too. Well,
2: and so here's a really interesting example of that. So I wasn't really turned on to any of this before i started making my first film because i didn't realize it was a problem like a lot of people don't realize it was a problem and it only i don't i only opened my eyes to it because when we were trying to make my film people kept making this big deal out of the fact that we were all women making this film about women and like telling us that we had to get a male producer so that people would trust us with their money um and like (sighs) telling us that we shouldn't make the film because people don't want to see films about women like and i was just like oh what Uh, (laughs) so anyway, so, so it was through that process that I really opened my eyes to this. But as I was sort of going through this awakening of, of seeing films in a new way, I read the statistic that, um, in films, there's one woman on screen for every two men. And that's true of leading characters, but also supporting characters and also crowd scenes. Like, if you literally count the number of human bodies on screen in films, there's one woman for every two men. And so, and I was so blown away by that figure. Yes. And so I went back and looked at my own scripts and realized that even though I was writing these centrally dynamic, strong female characters, every time I just needed an extra person, I was following that same ratio without even thinking about it because oh. my understanding of what the film world in intrinsically built into me, because that's what I grew up with, was that there's one woman on screen for every two men on screen. In, it's subconscious, it's, Of course, you, you don't even think about no, it. I didn't even know, but like, it was exactly that ratio. Well, I mean,
0: just again, going through the breakdowns and it's like male, 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 yeah. male, 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 female, male, male.
2: male, male. Like, yeah. like it's, yes. it's insane. Yeah. And
0: some projects will
2: just have yeah. men, men listed. Oh, I know. Right.
0: I get so annoyed. But,
2: but try putting out a breakdown with all, only women. And people will be like, what yeah. is this? You know, yeah, they're like, like screaming from the yeah. rooftops. They're
1: like, woo! Yeah.
2: Just, no, 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 not logical. screaming from the rooftops. But like, what are you? Some kind of radical feminist, yeah. like, whatever. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. like
1: screaming because they're, they're yeah, crazy. Yeah, not excited, but no. because like, they're like,
2: rah! oh, you must be some of kind of radical feminist, whatever. And You're like, this happens all of the time with only men. And again and they never say anything and they n- and, it, and not only do they not say anything that's what's expect that's it's just like oh yeah that's film mm-hmm. like if you actually start paying attention in trailers even like when you go to see another movie and like start counting the number of women in the films oh like gosh. it's just horrifying yeah. i don't know if i can do it i might just be really sad it's it's really i mean <laughs> i i almost wish i could unsee it now cuz like i can, and yet I, yeah. i'm thinking of like Like, well,
0: talking about musical theater auditions, you get 200 women at those calls Mm -hmm. and 50 men. So, I mean, film and TV auditions run a little bit differently, so Mm -hmm. you don't know how many people are actually called in. But then there's that ratio, that there are so many women going into this business as Mm -hmm. artists, and yet there's, like, fewer and fewer and fewer
2: jobs. And, I mean, to be totally uh, sort of blatantly – to be totally harsh about it. To me, that's actually the least important part of it. Like, OK, like if if we can't get jobs or whatever, like kind of tough shit, like it's a hard business, yeah, right? It, yeah. The bigger point is the way that this is affecting our society. Yes. You know? no, and, and the fact that our little boy, Meryl Streep talks about this in a great way. She says, when little girls are growing up, they are constantly asked to consider the male experience because the films they watch have male he- male heroes. And so we empathize with the main character in the story, therefore we empathize with what the man's going through. Little boys are never, almost never asked to do the same thing with women. So they're never asked to consider the female perspective from the time that they're very little. Like just think about that. How is that affecting?
1: Well, it's the part way of the reason why we have as many messed up things happening in our society, and why there's such a heavy rape culture, and there's think, so much misogyny. I, I and think everything. there's
2: a very, very good argument for a link between those two things. No
1: doubt, no doubt whatsoever. And it's just like it's crazy. So you feel as if if we are able to change the script on this, that mm-hmm. it will help improve. A, a lot of different things in life in general. I think, it, I think general. it will change
2: the world. I really do. I mean, like, if, I mean, in not only in just the rise of the female perspective in the world, but I mean, in in what women are allowed to be. We can't be it if you can't see it, and like, so true. if if we're it's not so the true. leading, if we can't understand stories in which we are the leading characters and if our if our role in films is constantly diminished to to whether we take our clothes off or being the girlfriend or the wife like how is that affecting our perception of ourselves and our and lives our value. and, and our value and our, and and our, our value yeah completely. and our self-esteem yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so interesting
0: i went when i was home for my sister's graduation i went to her dance recital and at the end the teachers are they thank everyone, and the first people they thank were their husbands, and it made me think of when I was at this film conservatory, when um, when the directors who were males were thanking people, they thanked their wives last, and it was mm-hmm. because somebody reminded them to. And it was just, it was just so interesting to me that these women were the first person they thanked, and I, I would too. My husband is so supportive, and I'm able to do mm-hmm. everything I'm I yeah, can of because of his support and love. But that to me was really mm-hmm. interesting. It's just like, that's another thing, like yeah. how it's affecting women if mm-hmm. they think that their value is not, and it's subconscious, their value yeah. is not as high yeah. as a male's contribution yeah. to their project and vice versa.
2: I um, I recently was invited to be a, sort of a judge for a pitch for a college class for like um, students who had been, learning how to write screenplays and pilots and things so so it was like their final exam and so they mm-hmm. would one after the other come in and pitch me their projects so whether it was a film or a tv pilot or whatever and i just started noticing and i started taking notes The so these these kids were i don't know eight, 18 19 20 maybe but the men would walk in and they would just with their presence with their speech There was an entitlement to that five minutes of my time and you could see it in the way they held themselves. You could see it in the way they spoke to me. Um, There was, they, they, they felt intrinsically that they deserved to be there. Every single one of the girls apologized to me and physically were trying to diminish themselves within that space. And I told them this at the end. I was like, you have to, like, you have to, get that same sense of entitlement because it you're hurting yourselves yeah. and and I don't want to put this all on women because I think there are deeply ingrained systemic problems that are keeping women from uh, rising in the ranks the same way that men are in our industry. However, I also think it's a vicious cycle because the yes. less important of the we are, we are deemed the less important we feel and the less space we try to take up and it just gets worse and worse and worse and we start holding ourselves back too
0: yeah Yeah. definitely but body language is so interesting (sighs) i know that uh, i think there's a ted talk about it or something but even even the aesthetics that women strive to be to be skinny to be fit to Mm -hmm. you know like the like this perfectionism but to be smaller than Mm -hmm. like how many women want to lose you know 10 yeah. pounds and be smaller than they are and take up less space mm-hmm. and how just that physicality yeah. kind of translates
1: to oh my gosh i never thought yeah. about that before and, mm-hmm. and men want to be, be bigger, bigger and stronger and, stronger, and take yeah. up more space yeah. it's the same thing with what like, the
2: fuck how have i never <laughs> thought about that
1: my mind was just blown but it's the same
2: thing with the man spread on subways yeah. uh, right like it's the same th- if that. you if you watch a woman on a subway not universally Yes. But for, in I general. would say in general, if you watch a woman on the subway, she takes her bags and she piles them on top of herself and she holds them to her so that she doesn't take up more than her allotment, 90% of man, men spread their legs to the point that they're taking up more than one seat. Yeah. Like, it's such a simple thing, but it's so indicative.
1: Yeah. I, I just want to like, and what's so funny is me being the crass person that I am, if I see a man that does that too much, I just want to be like... Honey, it's not that big.
2: Okay, <laughs> well, I think can, that every single time though. you can, you can, you can squeeze
1: it in a little. I guarantee I you, don't here. need that it much space. That. That's the kind of thing though yeah. that like I want to say to people. You say stuff. it.
0: Like, I, I usually say, "Excuse me," and I sit down right next to them and take up space. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to sit down, and this yeah. is the only seat exactly available. And yeah. your knee doesn't need a whole... Yeah. yeah, the seat. side of
1: your leg does not need a seat. <laughs> it's pretty much okay. We definitely know your penis doesn't need one
0: either, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, and the other thing I was going to bring up is apologizing. Is yes, the- I personally yeah. as a woman have been working on because yeah. I, do I do it too. all the time. Me yeah. too. I do it all
1: the time. And not giving ju- like speech that is apologetic. Mm-hmm. Even uh-huh. even if it's not yeah. saying I'm sorry, like asking permission. I, fi- I find that I go back now and I read all of my emails before I send them. Uh-huh. And instead of like going where, or just or mm-hmm. that like quantifying words yeah. in order for me to ask permission for mm-hmm. something instead of just simply stating –
2: this is what, what I need. This is what I yeah, need yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. There have been all those amazing articles recently about. Yes, and studied, I read one, and that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I, I do
0: this all I totally the do
2: time." It. So, but it's
0: not a learned thing. It's uh,
2: well, no, it
0: it is a learned well, thing, I mean, but like, but, it's, not, but consciously. not consciously. Yeah, like yeah. you pick it, you just pick it
2: up. And, oh yeah. But I again, like, I mean, I keep bringing it back to film. But if you think about the the movies we watched when we we're little, again. Like, I was thinking about Cinderella the other day. So Cinderella Mm. is a story where she's the main character and she's a woman. And actually, there are a lot of women in that story because there's the evil stepmother and the evil stepsisters, right? And the fairy godmother. But if you look a little bit deeper at the question of agency in that story, right? So who is making the decisions that cause the action to happen? It's never her, Mm, right? So her father marries this other woman, which causes her to become... A stepchild stepchild, slash slave slash whatever. Then she wants to go to the ball, but her stepmother says no, so she doesn't. Then the fairy godmother comes and says that she can, so she does. Then she goes to the ball, and then the prince falls in love with her and wants her to marry him, but she goes home because her stepmother told her to. And then he finds her, and then she, she's allowed to go because he wants her to be it's with him. It's none of her own she never. At no point does she say, I want this thing, therefore I'm going to take X, Y, and Z actions so that I can make this thing happen for myself. So, like, the actual lesson of that story <sighs> is, if you are very good and very meek and do exactly what ah. you're told, then maybe... And you want something badly enough, then maybe a magical fairy godmother will show it up and give <laughs> oh it to my you. Oh you're so But only if you're very, very good, very good. and kind and sweet to begin with. And obedient. And obedient. And even, don't even, stand Even up in the to, face of unreasonable yes, power.
0: Yes. Right. Don't stand up to evil, evilness and its form. Or
2: authority, whatever. Yeah. Don't stand up to authority, yeah, authority, even if it's unreasonable. Your job is just to follow it and then maybe if you're good enough, the fairy godmother will show up. I know. I the, the Disney
0: stories, I loved I love Disney movies, but the fairy tale stories, I, I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna let my future kids watch yeah. them because I just there's so many things wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> well I, mean, and if, I talk about rape culture, sleeping beauty and stone white. Yeah, right. Like yeah. oh, no yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. no consent there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. And, and here's why we get down to the fact that actually films buying about Films about women that are not like that are actually good business sense. They're not just the morally right thing to do. Because look at fucking Frozen, yeah, yeah, which is not that. No, these are no. women in control of their no. own destiny, and they, how big they it love went. love it. Yeah, I mean, like that song. We've heard nothing else for like three years. Oh, oh yes, every I work with kids, every, so Yes, yes a love it. Eight-year-old is and still how, singing it on the top. How of their much lungs. money is that movie made? Same thing with Wicked, like. The same thing with Bridesmaids. These stories, and and it's so infuriating because these things happen, and, like, you can chart every time there's a film or a story with a woman who's not like that. It goes, it explodes. It makes yeah. so much money. But the executives go, oh, weird. That's a weird anomaly. Uh, yeah, but people don't like films about women. And, like, they just keep, <laughs> They're just, like, when... Like, what do you need? So the other thing I'm thinking of
0: is even if we, even if we do get more female writers th- writing stories for women because they've they've we've grown up with films mm-hmm. and television that were male dominant and yeah. male dominant stories there's so many times that there are female writers doing a lot of good mm-hmm. but their stories are still yeah. from the male perspective and so what other things you being a writer what other things do you consciously like you said yeah. like you go through and make sure you don't have two males to one female mm-hmm. is there anything else you do to just kind of take off that mask that you've grown accustomed to by watching film? I think
2: I have definitely observed in myself an evolution as I've grown into a more mature writer around this because I agree, I think to begin with, our instinct as women is simply to reproduce what we've seen in some form. Um, And I actually have this fairly radical notion that there's a whole... female cinematic voice that we actually have no idea what it is yet because there's never ever in the history of film been a time when a large group of women were allowed to to make films at the same time and inspire each other and take each other to different places in the way that men have so i think we actually have no idea what female film actually is or female art female
0: yeah there, um, One of my friends is in grad school for playwriting, and he was talking about how, you know, there's studies, there, there's all, these, all this art around diversity, all this art around, you know, being a Japanese American during World War II, or being a gay man in the 80s, or being a woman, but there's not a white male, like, category for art, <laughs> because... That's just whatever male what, yeah. yes. art is, <laughs> yeah. and so right. like as art. you say yeah. that, as you say that, even about women filmmakers, like when in history has you know the the art form of painting been dominated by women or yeah you know the only thing maybe would be fashion, but I even
2: think of so many more male famous fashion designers. I fashion. I also think novels, yeah, have been better. I think there have been far more. F- great female novelists that have been allowed to break through um, than men. Although even That's Charlotte true. Bronte originally published under a male name for she that did.
1: reason. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I, but I think it's very exciting because I, I think film, I think, as I said, I think TV has stole, stolen the relevant... Re- I think TV has stolen the cultural revel- relevance from film, but... I think we have this opportunity for a complete film renaissance into this territory that we have never experienced. Mm -hmm. Like, we could literally go through and make the entire canon of film again, make it about women, and it would be completely different. Yeah. Not that I'm proposing we do that, but (laughs) just take any film, make The Godfather with women in charge, like that's a totally different film. Yeah, you
1: know. Who was it that I saw he- Helen Mirren talking about how frustrated she got with when she was auditioning and and she was reading these scripts and they had these characters that were that were men and she's like, that could totally be a woman. There's uh-huh. no reason that can't be a woman. She's like, oh, we have to go through rewrites, blah, blah blah. She's like, no, you don't. Don't don't just touch change, it. Just, just have it be a woman, or even don't change, change it. Exactly, <laughs> just have it be a woman. And I guarantee, because they're like, well, I don't know how to write from the women's perspective, and yeah. they have like all of these things, and it's like, write from the human perspective. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We're all humans. We have like feelings. We all have
0: bodies and
1: hearts that beat like I just yeah. don't well
0: and there's also this thing that women can't have masculine traits or vice vice versa mm-hmm. yeah. you know Which, I, yeah um society I think I don't know I guess maybe it's more acceptable for men to have female traits mm-hmm. but no you think it's the other way I don't know I don't know I, I don't think know the I think to both that. I feel both like both are just, not socially yeah. Not so, yeah. acceptable yeah because yeah. that's something I've always I
1: mean you and I have had many discussions about the fact of how I'm like a small like petite blonde person and then I have like these terrible things that will come out of my <laughs> mouth and people are always like, what? And it's because <laughs> like, I don't have that filter. I'm more male in my, no. in in the way that I like, which is not necessarily good most of the time. Um, uh But yeah, like it's often very surprising and people don't know what to do with it and they don't know where to place you. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know how to categorize you. Mm-hmm. But you're like, why do you need Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: and I I also going off that, I think, you know, people are always really gunning for stronger female characters, which I do think we need. But I also think women just need to be allowed to be people. Yes. And that means not always being strong, but being vulnerable and being strong sometimes and being messes sometimes and, and, making, being, mistakes, and making mistakes and, and, not, having to and be perfect. not having to be perfect and being fat and being skinny and being whatever like i just and looking like people yeah instead mm-hmm. of
1: this like glossed over version of what they think right. that what society wants a woman to look like
2: and that has actually gotten worse if you go back and look at films from the 80s and 90s Women didn't have to look like that. I mean, look at Meg Ryan. Look at Julia Roberts. Like, they don't look like that. Yeah. They're, they're more interesting than that, and I think probably more beautiful. But, like, this this new thing that's happened with this whole monochromatization of what women look like on film and on TV is new, and it's worse than it was before. Yeah.
0: Interesting. What yeah. do you think that's about? I think that's Photoshop. I think, mm. I think Photoshop has, with photos on magazines and the way people can... I mean, people can even Photoshop their Facebook profile yeah. picture. They're, okay, I don't use Snapchat. But my <laughs> sister, when I was home with my siblings, they, there's a beauty yeah. filter. And you put this beauty filter on and it changes. And it makes your probably. skin whiter. It, like, yeah, it makes, yeah. yeah, whiter and thinner. I it always makes want your mind to be
1: darker. I mean, the opposite <laughs> beauty thing.
0: Well, it makes your face and your nose thinner. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck is this? And who created this? Because I want to yeah. punch, like, them, in the punch face. them in the face. Yeah.
2: So I do think that that's part of it for sure is Photoshop. I also think societally we're, ha- we're experiencing this sort of backswing against the feminism of the 60s and 70s. Uh. Um, I think in general, because I think people sort of went, great, we're done now, f- solved, and... and Temporary. Tem- a temporary, temporary lapse in
0: time there. CQ overload, I do
1: But, yeah, I don't, know. I, I, I don't know. I
0: just feel like, and this is just my experience, and this is not, maybe this is very vague and very general, but I feel like sometimes the voices that are the strongest about being anti-feminine... They admire male voices in their life, mm-hmm. and their male voices are very masculine and very um, old, traditional. I guess you could say, because for the most part, tradition is more of the man of the house making decisions, and you know that type of thing. That's been my experience of yeah. it. I also see the other if the other way, which is probably me, is. I did grow up in a very, like, male-female kind of household. It, uh-huh. it was very old-fashioned, and I kind of rebelled against that, and I was like, I'm a girl, and I can do this, and I mm-hmm. can do this, and right. I can do what my brothers do, and, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. too. So I, th-
2: I don't know. Well, I also think um, the sort of, like, super militant feminism of that era ended up getting sort of a bad name because mm-hmm. yeah. because it was so militant as it needed to be, 100%. But I think everyone kind of went, other people kind of distanced themselves from that. So feminism became a dirty word in the aftermath of that. Yes, Um, And I think we're still recovering from that. Like, we're only beginning to reclaim feminism, which, I don't know if you heard, one of the Game of Thrones actresses, I can't remember who recently said, like, Feminism shouldn't be a term anymore. Like it should just be either you're sexist or you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like feminism shouldn't be a be thing. thing. It's yeah. not that's like that's just be what normal people think. Yeah. It's not
1: right. It's
2: yeah. That, oh. Yeah. Well, and
0: there's also this ex- this extremist that's thought of with feminism. And being a feminist doesn't mean you're anti-man oh, anti man or anti like there's like the balance of feminine and masculine energy is so important. Mm-hmm. We see it in nature, we see it in our relationships and that's what I think is out of that's gotten out of whack. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to be like, no, we're still here and we still yeah. like have voices.
2: But what's really interesting about this also, so I obviously have a lot to say on this subject (laughs) and i uh in in light of my first of what i experienced with my first film i've sort of ended up on the talk circuit with this for the last year and a half so i've been on a lot of panels spoken a lot of places about this and what's interesting when i'm on panels is that i always end up being sort of the radical figure on these panels um Which is so weird to me because there's nothing I'm saying that's, like, I'm not like, let's bring down men. I'm like, we deserve 51% because we're 51% of the population. But there's still, like, even as women are speaking out about this, again, when it comes back to, like, not wanting to take up too much space and, oh, we should apologize and, like, make sure that everyone's okay, is, like, that's somehow a really radical opinion that, like, somehow film should reflect life, you know? Which is really weird to me. uh, It is weird. Um,
1: there's nothing about that
0: that's radical.
2: Well, there's there's this fear of losing
0: power, maybe. And I don't even think it's conscious. I think most men would be like, yeah, I'm a feminist. Like, yeah, I support women. But then when it comes to making decisions, I think, again, what you talked about, like, it's just been this cycle in society that it's been male stories and, Mm -hmm. like, the male perception that when you're making decisions, you don't even realize that your decisions are you know, helping men and not helping women.
2: Well, and right. there was that amazing article recently. Um, there was an essay about how when you've experienced privilege, or ho- privilege, your whole life, equality does actually feel like oppression. So uh. like for men, they have actually had 90% of the pie for their whole lives. So when we ask them to take 50% of the pie, they are actually losing something and suddenly they feel very oppressed. When actually it's just sort of riding the ship. Right. But that's not that ex- their experience. I mean, it's the same thing with, we won't get political, but like, um, you know, various groups around the country, white supremacist groups suddenly rising because they're, st- they're starting to get something looking a little bit more like equality, but to them that feels right. like they're losing something because they are.
1: Yeah, well, that's something, yeah. and I think we've talked about this before too, and it's like something that I've noticed a lot of times, and it's kind of my hope for the world um is that the fact that there are so many things that are um so many different occurrences where people are making really radically um close-minded decisions and doing things that are so on that end of the spectrum is because some of the other side is starting to come in and they're mm-hmm. freaking out it's, and it's all about fear it's yeah. all about fear. yeah yeah it's being based on the you know One of the most negative parts of our of our human experience, like, or one of our negative, the negative parts of us that shouldn't dominate, right? (laughs) All the rest of us, we shouldn't live our life in in fear. That's not.
2: But there's also this funny thing, which is that even in our conversation, we frame it as like women's, white men on one side, and then women's rights and minority rights and LGBT rights, sort of on the other side. But like we're fifty one percent of the population, like mm. we're not a minority. No, but yeah. we and and but not that we should a, be bad to minorities either. Like yeah. obviously they should get us. Uh, they should get to tell their stories. They should get a say as well. But I just think it's so funny that we always frame it as like white men and then women and these other and we say <laughs> and I these guess? other minorities. But we're not a minority. Yeah, like, yeah. we we're, yeah. we're the majority that yeah. has allowed ourselves to be, to be treated, minority. Like, a treated minority. like a minority.
1: No, no
2: I have a, I have a
0: lot of hope. I have a lot of hope for yeah, women too. and and minority. I, I feel like some of the funniest comedians I've interacted with, some of the funniest, um, or not even funniest, but storytellers, actors, directors, yeah. writers, they do have a different perspective yeah. because of, the, I mean, it, you're telling the stories you know from how mm-hmm. your life has been. And right. I think I, I, I have a lot of hope. Like, I think it needs to be talked about and people need to be aware about it. You know, people need to know that the Tonys were more diverse than the Oscars and people need to recognize that. But I do see like so many strong artists coming up, you know, and it's kind of created an opportunity
2: to create. Yes. You know, and I am very hopeful, too. I just think that we're at a really critical time because This conversation has been happening a lot over the last two years. Yes. And it's about to hit the point where people are going to get tired of talking about it. It's been very, it's (laughs) been very sexy to talk about it. I mean, it wasn't, I think, I feel like when I first started doing this circuit, it was not sexy. And then it got (laughs) sexy. It's been sexy for like a year. Yeah. And now it's like really sexy. And, And very soon it will become not sexy again. And I think we have to be really careful to make sure we galvanize uh, actual actions around this moment right now and make sure that we implement sh- actual changes instead of just that talking will last about it. beyond the conversation because the conversation will die out. People will get sick about talking about it. Yeah, well, there's already
0: people sick about it. When I think I told you this when I was at Tribeca Film Festival. I went to the Jodie Foster, <sighs> Julie Taymor talk and they were like, we're sick of the women conversation. Yeah. We don't want to talk about it. And I looked around and there was... <laughs> Three quarters of the audience was women, and I'm like, how can you say that? Like, yeah how I, d- how, dare how, you? How, yeah. how dare you? Yeah, dare you? Yeah, and and okay, say that, but then what are you doing about it? Right. What are you doing to pull up women, to to mentor them, to hire them when you when you are in charge of a set? When you you right. know like what are what are you doing then? Like, if you don't want to have the
2: conversation, fine, but what actions are you taking? I don't feel fine if you don't want to have that conversation. Like, I feel like yeah. I feel like if you are in the tremendous privilege of getting to be where they are, you have a responsibility to open the door behind you and help other women up. I don't think it's fine. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. yes, in your actions, but also in your talk. I mean, this is partially a war of education and just and and as we were saying, opening people's eyes to what they're watching.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: so, okay, we're going to we could talk about this all day. Sorry, don't get me no, started. That's all right. Talk about your
0: stuff. Yes, yes, we yes, do. So we do. How how did this idea for I'm going to start with your first film, um, Imagine I'm Beautiful. Mm-hmm. How did this first come about? Cuz it's it's such an interesting topic, but the audience doesn't really I I guess I'm going to spoil alert. right. I'm going to spoil alert. I think mental health is such mm-hmm. an interesting topic, but the audience doesn't know it until Towards right. the end. Right. That that's a conversation.
2: Yeah. So I got really um so my character in the film has borderline personality disorder, although it's never named in the film. Um and two front two really close friends of mine within the six-month period got out of relationships with people with borderline personality disorder. And Because the relationships were unraveling, we suddenly learned all of these details about what had been going on inside the relationships where we were just like, what? You did what? And what struck me so much about that was that if you were just somebody totally random listening to the details of what had gone on, you would assume that my friends were also mentally ill because the situations were crazy that that they had willingly agreed to, not that they had been coerced into... Are, but like crazy. But they're not crazy. They're not mentally ill. And so I got, so I started thinking about the fact that in a film, normally when you meet a mentally ill character, it's broadcast to you that they're mentally ill, right? Right. And so, yeah. Through music or through speech or whatever, you know that they're crazy from the beginning. And so you, as an audience member, you distance yourself from that person and you go, oh, well, they're not like me. They're crazy and so you never buy into their thing but that's not the way that life works in life you just meet somebody and you assume that they're operating under logical parameters because most people are and it's actually very very easy to go to like slowly go down the rabbit hole with them and get pretty far before you realize Realize. what's happening
0: well that was the thing is you loved this character so much and you were like you knew you knew something was off, but you didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Like you knew like, okay, she's and the whole thing like she's from Utah. You're like, oh, you know, like <laughs> that's what people think of me. You're from Nebraska. Right. You. You're a little different. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever. <laughs> but that was what was so interesting, right. is that you you Related to her and understood her, and then you were like, and then she kept doing things, and you're like, wait, what? And you had to like re right. so kind of calculate, explain, your, explain yeah. Them away, yeah, like okay, she's doing this because of this, or maybe she loves her, right. like maybe like right. like we're still finding out things, like little right. nuggets about her, but um, yeah, but I thought I I thought that was so interesting to because I think that's another another thing that as a society we need to talk about is mental mm-hmm. health and the stigma with it and, um, you know, that comes along with it or, you know, right.
2: that kind of thing. One, so well, and, and I think, and, and so that's what I was interested in is could you get an audience on board? Could you get them empathizing and identifying with the person who had the mental illness and how far would they go down the rabbit hole with that person until they figure out what's going on? Like your friends. Right, exactly. Because I, because again, like, People with mental illness are ninety percent like us. There's just that little extra ten percent or five percent or whatever. And so I, so to be able to create empathy with somebody who is mentally ill, but the, you know, yeah. I thought that was a really interesting way through a film into mental it
0: illness. Was, it was, very, and now we completely spoiled. The Sorry, I spoiled <laughs> it. No, no, I, I had I'm to talk to, excited. I had to pick her brain about yeah. it. Cause it was no,
2: so I'm super intriguing. excited to
1: watch it. I really am. I was really upset. This. Earlier this morning, I was like, I was like, oh. I watched the trailer and I was like, I really
0: want to watch this right now. Oh. It's, a, it's a good watch. Good. It's a really good watch. Same and way. you have your second film coming. You're going to start filming in October. Yes. And this one, I love this one too. <laughs> yeah, <can> tell, <laughs> tell it about different. this one too.
2: So this film is called Bite Me, and it's a subversive romantic comedy about the real life subculture of people who believe that they're vampires. Yeah. Which is real.
1: Yes, I know.
2: You do know. Do you <laughs> yes, know any? I'm, I don't know any. I'm, my mom lives
1: in New Orleans, and so that's a yeah. place where there are a lot of a really, yes. yeah, and rice. Oh. A lot of vampire lore is um, originates in New Orleans and in mm-hmm. particular places in the South. And so, yes, I I really like vampires. I only look like one. I don't <laughs> actually. Um, I'm not actually participate. One. Yeah. Um, I feel like one when I go out into the sun sometimes. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I do know that there are people. I don't know like the depths of how far people go.
2: So so basically, it's it's a fringe subculture of people who are worldwide. It's actually not that small a subculture, um, and their their beliefs are as varied as there are people. But um, most of them just believe that they need to drink blood to stay healthy or feed on energy psychically to stay healthy. So they don't believe they're supernatural. They don't believe that garlic will whatever, you know. Yeah. They don't believe the daylight thing. But they believe that they're born with an energy deficiency in their own bodies and that the only way that they can feel healthy and as energetic as everybody else is to drink blood or feed on other people's energy uh, psychically.
0: Interesting. Which, yes. in your research, because yeah. like – um cannibalism versus this like how close is that line not not the same thing at all so so
2: vampires real vampires have donors it's totally consensual they never attack anybody they have contracts with donors everybody gets blood tests at least every three months if not more often oh my gosh it's very like they have it's very rigorous for obvious reasons because blood porn diseases can create all sorts of problems yeah um yeah, so I mean I guess I guess there's sort of a similarity in the sense that a lot of cannibalistic societies believe that by eating the body of their enemy they're inheriting their spirit or okay. so there's sort of a because I don't guess really a know similar a about sort of that, like energy it, transmission yeah. idea but but their idea with the blood is that blood is the physical manifestation of energy because it's the thing that constantly moves and flows through our bodies and so that by drinking the blood you're getting the your the energy from that it's other actually person. flowing through you mm-hmm
1: Interesting. Blood it's is really... really gross, though. Well,
2: I guess it depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's>
1: per- <laughs> I mean,
2: I your have, perception.
1: Like, where, I mean, it's not, I haven't actually drank blood before, but, I mean, I've, sure. you know, you, you cut, yourself, cut yourself and yeah, you like, put your finger in your you, mouth. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, or, like, when you, like, cut your gums while you're, like, flossing yeah. or whatever, like, it's just, like. Well,
2: and, and this is, so when I, I got the idea that I wanted to make this f- Film and, and so I started researching. And when I started researching, I was like, okay, obviously these people are insane. Like this is, <laughs> this is crazy, but super interesting. And I want to make a movie about it. And as I started researching, I was like, I don't know, like, who am I to say that they don't yeah this? Be- and, and here's why, because a lot of them talk about from a very young age, becoming obsessed with tasting blood. Like, like they had that experience of cutting uh. themselves and tasting the blood or flossing and tasting the blood and becoming obsessed with the it. taste and like oh. seeing a friend get cut and wanting to taste it which from like five years old which I've never had no. right like I mm. I'm repulsed by it and so I don't know like that's a really weird so yeah art. so maybe, maybe so, so maybe they that, yeah. do need that I don't, know. I don't know
0: well I think there's so much we don't know about the science of our energy and yeah. our vibrations, and what's yeah. what, not what substance? People really, don't consider it scientific.
1: Well, I mean, no the the mainstream Western like yeah. Yeah. civilization does not consider like, like energies energy scientific. But, well, yeah, but it, it's a
2: vibration. So yeah, but but right, they don't. But, but it's they don't definite. consider
1: it. I'm not saying yeah. that I don't. Yeah, think yeah, it yeah is. no, but
2: it's yeah. definitely real. I mean, if yeah. you think about like sometimes you hang out with people certain people and you leave feeling so energized and so good and other people you hang out with for an hour and you just leave and you feel so, like, there's, that's, that's a real thing. Yes, it is. So, I don't know. And, and this is partially what the movie is actually about. So, so it's a romantic comedy and my character who is one of the vampires gets audited because they're registered as a church. And she and her IRS agent end up falling in love with each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he and he is not a vampire okay. and is totally weirded out by the whole idea. Um, so it's, so, but lives with this super Christian roommate. So it's kind of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it runs the gamut.
2: So, well, so, but it's kind of about, uh, part of why I wanted to write this one is that I feel like our generation is growing up in this really interesting age of anti-faith. Right, like we, mm. we sort of came of age right around the time that 9-11 happened and the world got very scary and very real and science became really important and understanding things became really important. And I think a lot of us grew up without any kind of really religious anything. I certainly did. Um, and so I think that leaves us in this really interesting position where science has actually become our religion because it's so important that we understand everything. Um, mm and anything that's not, that cannot be absolutely proven we like scoff at and are very cool and like whatever we we know better than to believe in any of that but love is this really inexplicable and totally goofy thing and and to fall to really fall in love with somebody and is actually actually requires this enormous leap of faith because you're trusting that they will love you back and they will not hurt you and and I think our generation isn't really set up to handle that kind of leap of faith. And that's part of the reason why uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and so, part, so part of the movie is, so when these two characters meet, they hate each other, but then have this, like, sort of goofy, um, like, surreal moment of knowing that they're going to marry each other. And so then it's like, what are these two super cynical characters, How do these two super cynical characters deal with this magical moment? Right. Um,
0: that sounds so I interesting and so hilarious. I know. I can't because <laughs> when you put see it. people with such extreme different points of view in that circumstances, yeah, that sounds really really great. My question, sorry, going back to the blood thing. <laughs>
2: People have a hard time getting past the book.
0: Yeah, he he does too in the film. He's always I, like
2: but Well, lovely. the only
0: thing I keep thinking of, and because it's a romantic comedy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so do people are people's donors their lovers or is uh, that usually sometimes sometimes but, but not, not always okay um, okay
2: so it, it generally in the contracts they they outline whether or not that's going to be like what the exact terms of the relationship are going to uh. be so if it's going to be a sexual relationship. And sometimes it's a sexual and blood relationship, but not a not a boyfriend-girlfriend situation. Um, I think particularly a lot of, maybe not a lot, but certainly some women vampires sort of trade sex for blood. Because um, mm. you can get almost any man to agree to that particular <laughs> bargain. <laughs> um, apparently it's not that hard to find donors from what I understand, uh. particularly for female vampires. Um <laughs> But but yeah, certainly sometimes it's, it's a romantic relationship anyway, and then one of them feeds on the other, or they both feed on each other, or whatever.
1: Interesting. It's very interesting. I'm excited, like, just talking it's about it. T- no. totally fascinating. I've always found vampires fascinating. Yeah. Always. My whole life. My favorite movie as a kid was um, Lost Boys. Huh. And great movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a great movie. That, yeah, but I was like a four. And yeah. I was like, why do I find this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, hmm, vampires. But it's really weird to me that given the complete fascination with vampires, that vampires that nobody's made a movie about this subculture of people yet. Yeah. Because it seems so, like well, such a su- I mean, I feel like
0: what, three, four years ago, vampires were like in every new show. Like, I know. There, you know, yeah. like
2: Twilight and there were oh, yeah. other sub- Vampire Diaries and yeah. like this I and mean and other. Yeah, yeah like yeah. so many different- Vampires yeah. wax eternal though. Like the, that that particular obsession has never died out since the idea came, came up. out. I mean, they, it's cyclical in a sense. Well, like there are certain times when it's particular, but it never goes away. I no. wonder
0: if it that's where it came from was people, there was, you know, the subculture- many many moons ago and that's what that's where these stories came from
2: well so there's this really interesting relationship between so this subculture as far as we know cropped up around the 90s the late 80s 90s it could just not have been recorded since before then Possibly, but we don't really know. That's like the first time we have real that they started finding each other through the internet and like well that's the thing.
0: Right. The internet was coming up. People right. were more socially acceptable in their sexuality and their diversity. Right. You know, before that, you know, it was Yeah. You, right. You fit into a mold and that kind of thing. So that's right. really so interesting. So that too. so that's sort of
2: when this we at least understand that this really began. Um and they have this really interesting relationship between between loving and hating the supernatural vampire pop culture. Like, in okay. a lot of ways, they take on that. I mean, they choose to call themselves vampires, which they don't have to do because it's, they're not actually taking on the whole myth. They're just taking on this one part of it, which they could call themselves something completely something different. else, yeah, And right. they do choose that. So they are taking on that to a certain extent, but then, like, if you try to associate them with Twilight or something, they get really angry. So it's sort of this really interesting di- sort of tension between...
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, so it's like they kind of like maybe like the allure of it, but then like don't want you to actually think that they are like that, right? I mean, we all do that, yeah, in so many aspects of, of our
2: life, so <laughs> yeah. and you know, I mean, they're understandably pretty cagey as a community because people tend to think they're crazy, right? And that's not that nice to live as, no, so no,
1: yeah. Um, so I was looking at the team that you've assembled for this, mm-hmm. and I was, how did you, like, what was the process of you assembling your team? Like, this, because it's a pretty kick ass team. Yeah, it
2: is a pretty kick ass team. So, I had the very great fortune of, so because of Imagine and I'm Beautiful, I got a really wonderful manager, Joanne Zippel, who knew Jack Lechner, who's producing this film, okay. who um, produced Blue Valentine and Fog of War and worked on Goodwill Hunting and forwarding Funeral and like a zillion other things. He's amazing. And also just one of the kindest human beings you've ever met. And he, she got him Imagine I'm Beautiful and said, and she's got this other script, bite me. And and he and I started meeting and he had notes for me and I would go away and rewrite and I'd come back and he'd have other notes and then I'd go away and back and rewrite. And, over, and probably three months after we first met, he signed on to produce it. Wow. Um, and that was unbelievably thrilling, obviously. And... Uh, so that was, that was about a little over a year ago. Um, and then we just started walking down the path that everybody walks down on film and try to find your Yellow Brick Road friends. And uh, Jonathan Bronfman, who um, is an incredible young Canadian producer, um, who just produced The Witch. Oh, yeah. And among which is
1: you saw that. I did see it. Yeah, it's an it was, incredible film. It is incredible. I was very like confused. Yeah. And then I had to like read things and I was like, oh wow. Okay. I need yeah. to watch it again now. Yeah. You also can't
2: unsee that film. It's no, you really cannot. haunting. Um, so I actually met him at Sundance uh, this last year when I was there because I had a show premiering there. Um, and I met him and and he signed on. So and Hannah Cheesman, who is this amazing uh, female Canadian director and writer and actress, but she's producing this film. I mean, directing this film. Um, we actually, so I'd spent like six months. So because I'm an actor and a writer and a producer, and I, so far, including this film, I've starred in the films that I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very delicate process finding the right director for the yes. film because it's, there has to be an incredible alignment of vision um, and trust and just sort of chemistry as a leap people of faith. and leap, yeah. of, leap of faith in both ways me that they're going to that their vision is going to be consistent with mine and them for me that i'm not going to like micromanage them and i'm going to let and i'm going to let them do their job as the director so and this is a very tricky film tonally because i think a lot like say something like little miss sunshine it's a comedy but it's but you kind of direct it as a drama and then it's funny. If you direct it as a comedy, it's a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So like I found directors who were really good at comedy and I found directors who were really good at drama, but finding a dramatic director with a comedic sensibility was very hard. Yeah. So I spent like six months watching films, meeting people, talking to people, like just trying to find a director for this film. And it got to the point where I was just like, okay, I'm just going to have to pick somebody. Like I just... I haven't found the person, but I just am going to have to pick somebody because we have to make this movie. And then I went up to Toronto to do actually a women in film panel up there. And mm. Hannah was on the panel. And by the end of the panel, we were like, we have to work together. And I was like, I've got this film and you have to come direct. And she was like, okay. That's, yeah. See, that's giving out. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing I think
1: that people don't realize too, that if you really want to have something that is uniquely you, it takes time. Yeah. It takes a lot more time than you mm-hmm. think. And... You have to be willing to again take that leap of faith. It's mm-hmm. another thing that our that we've talked about in other and you know, dynamics as to how like we don't want to do that as a society with our yeah. obsession with science and everything. Yeah. But like that's one of the reason I think why I mean, I don't know how many of you how many times have you had a conversation with somebody and you've told them that you're like an actor or a writer or producer and they give you this like, oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> or man, that's a hard life. Yeah, you yeah. know? They're like like, they have, like, all of these yeah. feelings yeah. toward it because, you know, it is. And you you have to take that. You have to just trust yeah. that it's going to get made. And that it's going to get made the way that you want it. But it takes time.
2: It does take time. And filmmaking takes so – filmmaking requires more faith, I think, than pretty much any other art form because it takes so much. Yeah. I can't think of any other art form that start to finish takes that long to make.
1: So from start to finish for um, your first project and for your second project like what's the time frame look like? So
2: Imagine I'm Beautiful. I believe it was two years from the time I wrote the first draft to the time we got on set. It was a year in post to the time we premiered and then it was another year on the road with the film for me. So it was like a four year cycle basically. Wow. And then... This film, so far, is pretty much right on track for that timeline. <laughs> actually, I think it'll be it'll be about two years, maybe a little bit more, from the time I wrote the first draft. To the time we'll get on set in October, and then I would imagine it'll be the same. So, so pretty much it's, and that's like if it's going really well. That's well, actually yeah. not that long, right. right? But when you're in it, it feels like forever. Actually, this is an interesting story about that that faith thing so when i was in the middle of that first two-year period with imagine i'm beautiful where it was just like we and i didn't even know i wanted to be a filmmaker at that point like i thought i was making that film so that i could show what i could do as an actor to go back to being an actor (laughs) you know like right and i but this but it was taking so long and i've never written into a self-help column before (laughs) But, but do you remember at that time in backstage there was like an ask an actor column in the back oh yeah of backstage yeah and just in this day of like sheer desperation i just wrote this letter i wrote a letter into that column saying like i'm making i'm making this film and i think it could be huge but like i don't know and i don't actually know if it'll ever get made like we don't have any money yet and i just like i don't know if i'm like wasting this two years of my career because i'm auditioning less because i'm doing this thing and like i don't know and And he sent me the great... He never published it, but he sent me a letter back. And it was like the greatest letter. And I still have it on my wall. Oh. And he said, oh, we poor beleaguered actors. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if you were a fisherman, you would go and pick a spot and you would sit and you would put your pole in the water and you would wait until you got a fish. He's like... With act, if if an actor went fishing, they'd like splash around in the water and keep moving until all the fish had been scared away, <laughs> and they would never catch anything. He's like, you're on this journey. Like, just sit and enjoy the journey. Like, it's gonna lead somewhere. It may not lead where you. Th- it almost certainly won't lead where you think it will. <laughs> oh, yeah. It never leads where it you think. It never leads you. But it's gonna lead somewhere, and like, you're learning so much, and you're enjoying. Like, just enjoy the journey. Yeah, <laughs> for God's sake. And 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 I was like, oh, okay. And I have it on my wall. And actually, it's this sort of lovely thing because then, when my film premiered, I wrote back to him because I was like, you have to know that, that like yeah. I, your letter meant so much to me. And I, and now and like the film is having a red carpet premiere in New York, and will you please come. I'd love to buy you a ticket. And the email address didn't work anymore. And I don't know who it was because it was an anonymous column. And but it, which was like on the one hand, I was like, ugh. Oh. But on the other hand, it's sort of the perfect end to that story. You know, it's just like they oh just. Oh my, that is. It's like it was just like. He oh. just reached through time yeah. in that moment and like changed my just life. Just what you needed. He, yeah.
0: I was going oh to say like a fairy godmother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not no like right. a fairy godmother. Not, <laughs> no. life, but not like. Life, but not like. Not like but not like. No. You were taking action. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I was also noticing that you don't only write for film. You write for television as mm-hmm. well. You've also written for theater.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What is the, like, what would you say are the the differences that you go through in order to write mm-hmm. for those different mediums?
2: Um, I think they're so different. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah.
2: I mean, so I actually, I started off writing theater because that's what I knew. Like, I, I sort of had this compulsion to write and I started in theater and that's all that I really knew. So I started writing in theater um, I think I was never really a playwright. I think all of my plays were really f- wanted to be films, but weren't. Okay. Um. But my first screenplay, I, which was Imagine and Beautiful, I rewrote 52 times <laughs> before <laughs> we went to set. And I think probably the first 25 of those rewrites were figuring out how to be a movie and not a play. Mm. Because they're just different. I mean, like... Yeah. I actually love writing for film because the the precision of control that you have over your audience is so extreme mm-hmm. and you can, and the subtlety you have in your, like you can knock over a cup halfway through a movie and that can be the entire turning point of the movie based on how it's shot and how it's lit and what the music is at the time. Right. Whereas in theater, like probably half the audience is not looking at the cup. They're so missing, like you know, yeah. that's a disaster. Um, yeah, I think, I think film is a medium of precision and theater is a medium of joyful um sort of messiness I th- mm. and and sort of i think of i you can't see me because this is a podcast but i'm making <laughs> motion with my arms that like theater sort of explodes out at the seams and film i think is an art of control and precision and subtlety and yes nuance which yeah. i like appeals to me more but um
1: yeah, I mean, do you think it pe- appeals to you more because you feel like that's closer to real life or?
2: I think it appeals to me more because it's closer to my personality. I okay. think I'm a, more, I'm, a, I'm a person who lives in nuance and so I have a hard time with the grand gestures that are necessary and beautiful for theater. Yeah. Right, Yeah.
1: definitely. And then what about TV?
2: So the TV show that i got hired to write for is the new yorker presents which is an amazon show and is actually based on the new yorker magazine Mm -hmm. um so it's a very different kind of tv show not only because it's on a new platform so that the experience of making it is very different um but also because basically the show is a collection of short films essentially put together so so um Each episode of that show has a bunch of little segments, and some of them are short documentary films, and some of them are short fiction films, and some of them are poems, and some of them are cartoons, but they're all based on things from the New Yorker magazine. So I got hired to to write the screenplay adaptation of a Miranda July short story and turn it into a film, Okay. a short film. So that experience was not a real TV experience because basically I was working on a A, film. On film. film, yeah a lovely short film where they had money to shoot it and you could (laughs) write it on an airplane and then they would just bring an airplane into a studio and you could shoot on the airplane. It was amazing. What is that like? Oh, it's like this lovely vacation in a land where like, (laughs) (laughs) you just write things and then they happen. It's like amazing. Um, It's like magic. I know, it is magic. magic. But I I have also written this true TV show called The Dark Pieces, which um, just was featured on The Blacklist in one was on the write-her list, which is a, a wonderful list that comes out annually of the top 16 unproduced pilots by female screenwriters, which is a very worthy wonderful. thing. Wonderful. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yes. congratulations. Um, anyway, but that's, so that's where I really learned how to write for TV in, in the sense that you think of writing for TV. And that was very interesting because it's so... Um, I like to think of myself as a very non-formulaic writer and sort of rebelling against the formulas and sort of Mm -hmm. figuring out new modes. But TV becomes necessarily a very formulaic thing. And it doesn't have, there's degrees of formulaism, right? There's like super sitcom-y like, laugh and then out, you know, like the teaser and then the whatever, which I didn't write. But but still like, you need people to come back after the commercial break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, (laughs) basically something interesting has to happen before the commercial break so that then they come back and then they have to come back after the first episode. So there's a certain amount, you know, so like- they to
0: keep coming back, you know. And
2: if and if I started watching pilots and sort of charting out quite literally on the page what happened at certain time points and, e- and, and even non-formulaic TV shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men that I love. And there's still like, you gotta kind of- Right. Like so much has to happen in a certain period of time or it just gets boring. It's really interesting.
1: Right. So really that that is really cool. I just wondered because I'd seen that you'd written for the yeah. different mediums and I just was curious as to how different it was writing for each of them.
0: And what have you done cuz you you came into writing as an actor. So uh-huh. what have you done to educate yourself or to have you have you taken writing classes? Have you how do you kind of make that transition? Cuz mm-hmm. I think there's a yeah. lot of actors that want to but they don't know yeah, how I get or yeah. the best way? Because that's
1: the way I felt for a long time. Is like I had ideas and I had things I wanted to do, but I was like, I can't call myself a writer because I haven't taken any formal writing classes. Mm-hmm. So I'm who am I to say yeah. I'm a writer? You know? So I've
2: never taken a I've never taken a playwriting class or a screenwriting class. I've taught some at this point, but I've never <laughs> taken. Um, but that doesn't mean you like learn,
0: taught yourself, you know, it's not always, you don't always learn things from a class. And I think that's kind of a myth of our time too, is that you have to go to college or you have to.
2: Right. And I actually, I don't think I quite believe in writing classes. Like I think there are things they can teach you about structure and about character but I think you've learned those things already as an actor oh, without even knowing, fair. because you've, how many scripts have you read? And how analyzed. many how many characters have you analyzed? I So like, I felt like by the time I started writing, that was actually built into just the bones of what I understood about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I feel like there's a real danger. And I, again, I feel like this is where film is getting really boring because of, like there's so many screenwriting books out there that are like, if you follow if you do A, B, C, and D, you will have a great screenplay. Right? Like there's a hundred of them and people tell me people hold them up like Bibles. Like people tell me to read them all the time. Like, oh right. have you read blah, blah blah. And I'm like, I just I hate that because I don't be- I don't believe in that. Like I think if you want to write a good Hollywood screenplay, yeah, uh, yeah, go read that book, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah. Okay. But, like, if you want to actually write something that, like, comes from your soul and is, like, different and is doing something, I don't believe you can learn that in a book. And I actually think that's a very similar process to being an actor. I think think more writers should – I mean, more actors should be writers. I think there's actually more in common with writing and acting than there is with directing and acting. Because if you think about what the acting process is, it's a sort of channeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's like – getting into the, slipping into the skin of this other person, which for me, writing is the same thing. You're just, you're, you have to, you have more characters to manage. You have a, you know, you have to slip into the, car- the skin of all of them, but directing is a process of editing, right? So directing is taking all of those things and, and editing it into something that other people will understand, that will be stylistically good, that, you know, and I think, so I don't know. To me, it's very yeah. I, when I write, I look like a crazy person because I'm acting all out all the parts. Yes, um, I love that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, as you should. Yeah, I know I did too. Yeah, I, I, I cry mean, when they cry. You know, like yeah, yeah. I can't write in public for that reason. It's <laughs> very No Starbucks writing. No. no Starbucks writing.
0: <laughs> no coffee shop writing no. for
1: you, not unless you're at your local coffee shop and they just know. Yeah, they're like
0: they're like, oh, it's her. I just watched. Oh, Aziz and show, what's it called? Master um, Master Amazon. Yes. Yeah, and he has he does an audition in a coffee shop. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Yeah. 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 The things yeah. you do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Acting acting things in New up. York. Yes.
1: Yeah. I know. That's so much of the time why like I can't there's only certain books that are approved for public transit because like I will <laughs> just begin so I'll just like yeah, lose my shit in the middle of the trash be like <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, I don't, I need sunglasses. I gotta like keep this shit on lockdown so that everyone doesn't think I'm like this like woman who's <laughs> having like the worst day of her life or something. I'm like, no, don't talk to me. I'm fine. I'm just crying because of a book. Okay, yeah. I don't know what you want from me.
2: <laughs> that happened to me most recently on a flight. I was watching Inside Out. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. we did the We've same talked thing. about this. I, did, I didn't even thing. know. Like, yeah. I I was like, okay, this is a good movie. I'll put it on. And I was in the middle seat, and I just. Wept through like most of that movie, and my two seatmates could see that I was watching Inside Out, and were like, "Okay." um Until they watch it and they cry their eyes out. Yeah. That movie is talk about another
0: I movie that doesn't, you know, that yeah talks about mental mental yeah. health and and emotions and and, you and know. Features, female perspective. Woman, yeah. yeah, girl, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. young girl.
0: This was so awesome. Yes. I'm sorry,
1: thank so I feel you like so I've talked to your ears. No. <laughs> no that's <this> what you're <laughs> supposed to do. That's are, the whole point.
0: Oh, I'm just like fired up and I excited know. for so many reasons yes. right now. I so, can't wait to share this. I know.
1: I can't either. I feel like there, there's so many wonderful things. Um, Where can people find yes. you?
2: Yeah. Um, so I have a website, NaomiMcDougalJones.com. Um, and also... The, on there, you can sign up for a newsletter I've started. I feel like I'm sort of in this interesting time in my career and life, and I've started the monthly blog slash newsletter um, that I'm sending out. So if you want to yes. find out what's happening, you can get on that. And I'm on Twitter, although I'm not very good at it because I'm too – Wordy, I can't say anything worth saying in 100 <laughs> I always have that same
1: problem. Every time it's like the, the red starts Ugh. coming out, I'm like, oh, too long. See, I can't. you
0: can write it as a Facebook post and then just have it forward to Twitter and then people can click. That's a way to get around it. It is write, a way. You can write. You can write as much as you want. That's a good time. Actually, I think there's a limit
1: too. I I just there never is, but it takes a lot. I mean, if my long-winded ass doesn't doesn't overdo it, then I imagine yeah. I imagine it'll be fine. Well,
0: awesome! And you guys look out for bite me. Bite me. Yes. And yeah. check out Imagine I'm Beautiful. Where is that? That's on so Amazon, it's on iTunes,
2: and Amazon and Google Play and
0: great it's all over the internet yeah, check it out i can't wait to watch
1: it <laughs> i seriously ugh, it's can't good wait it's a good one i awesome. enjoyed it well thank you so Thanks very so much, much for, for having for me for coming and drinking wine and talking oh, with us anytime. and uh <laughs> thank you guys for listening Thanks, guys bye yay we had so many things i know i was just like I was like, I want to keep asking questions, but I feel like we have to stop, yeah, or we'll no, just no, be no, here until no. midnight.
2: Be, we, we started an in a <laughs> <laughs>